Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that explores the intersection of security, technology, and humans. I spend 5 to 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts, which I then turn into a concise 15 to 30 minute summary and analysis. There's a summary episode every week, as well as periodic standalone episodes that are either me sharing an idea on a topic or discussing one with a guest. The goal is twofold, to keep you up to date on the absolute latest in security and technology, and to explore ideas that hopefully give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 195, Security News. There's a new MITRE 2019 25 Most Dangerous Software Errors, and memory corruption bugs are number one. So the technical name for number one is improper restriction of operations within the bounds of a memory buffer. Number two is cross-site scripting. Number three is input validation. Number four, information exposure. And number five is out-of-bound reads, but it's a full list of 25. So check that out if you're interested. Ton of recent DDoS activity that's leveraging IoT devices for UDP amplification attacks. Specifically, it's the WS Discovery Service. And the reason it's so popular right now is because the response to request ratio is so large. So it could be as small as 43% and all the way up to 15,000%, which can uh, you know melt a lot of victims with a very little amount of uh, bandwidth spend on the sending side. So that's pretty cool. Not cool. It's interesting. Not cool. There's a lot of chatter about Snowden due to his new book coming out, the NSA suing to keep him from making money off the book, him saying he would like to come home, and him reiterating that he was just trying to do the right thing. This is his new memoir that came out. He's basically doing a giant PR push, and the NSA is like, nope. So they hit him with a civil suit so he couldn't make money off of it due to breach of an NDA, basically. Oh, and he's also said that he's never cooperated with Russians. So he wanted to make that clear as well. And he said, I want to come home. You know, I just want to get a free trial. I don't want to be, you know, let off the hook or whatever, but just give me a free trial. I want to come home. And I didn't help the Russians. So that's kind of the the vibe there. The whole situation makes me cautious of anyone with a singular and strong opinion about this, including myself. In 2016, I wrote a short piece about my opinion, and I'm pretty much still in the same place with it. Basically, if you think he's, he's a hero, you're probably wrong. And if you think he's a traitor, you're probably wrong as well. He seems to be some combination of these two things. And from day to day, like article to article and book to book, I simply can't tell how much of which he actually is. IARPA, which is basically CIA research, is working on technology that can identify people at long range using stationary and drone-based cameras. The plan is to combine multiple factors like faces, movement, whatever, to get better results and to deal with negative environmental effects like haze, rain, you know, fog, smog, whatever. This is uh, definitely in the awesome and scary category, which awesome actually means cool and scary at the same time. So it's kind of redundant, but I'm going to leave it in there. This is awesome and scary. A private company specializing in repossession of cars built a license plate scanning technology, which they post on the front of cars, and they just drive around. <laughs> so they're seeing tons of license plates, obviously, including the ones that are passing them going the opposite direction. And however long they've had this out there, it's now a database of over 9 billion license plates. And so they obviously use it to find cars that they want to go repossess. And uh, they're also selling access to the database to private investigators. 
And as it turns out, it's not actually too hard to make one of these things. There's just tons of tutorials online about how to do this with machine learning and various types of cameras. And what's interesting about this is, to me, I think is, um, it's not just governments or, you know, these giant, you know, CIA, IARPA type situations where they're going to build like the killer drone and it's, you know, whatever, bioweapons. You can have a scrappy little company just be like, oh, I wish I knew where these repossessed cars were. And you go hack together, you know, a camera plus machine learning to identify license plates. And pretty soon you have a database of 9 billion plates and you could sell it to whoever you want, you know, within the confines of not getting sued or whatever. But the point is we can build a beast or, or a demon or whatever the metaphor is for, um, th that can actually do harm. And it doesn't need to be like this evil giant corporation or the government or whatever that does it. It could just be a couple scrappy people in the basement. And the, the worst situation here is like the autonomous drone or, you know, actual, um, AGI, you know, uh, artificial general intelligence, less likely to happen, uh, like that. But the, the point is there's not the danger isn't always going to come directly from this, the big monolith that you're worried about. When you're talking about very fast technical iteration, it could come from scrappy garage people as well. So the thing with coal fire pen testers that were arrested pen testing a courthouse is a basically a total mess. The state courts released some records and it appears that there was clearly authorization for a physical pen test, but there's, confusion on whether or not certain floors they were found on, like floor three, I think they were found on in some building. And in one of the documents, it says, do not go on floor three or floor four. But it turns out that might've been the wrong building, like in a different part of the city or a different state or whatever. So, you know, there's contention about whether or not they were in the right place, um, if they were doing the right thing. And, uh, so this really comes down to the exact agreement made by the two groups, right? The lesson here, which I'm sure most pen test companies are really working on right now is you need to have your paperwork agreements and communication completely in order when the target is sensitive and that this thing is likely to happen. If I were running pen test stuff still, um, I, I would definitely be super focused on this, especially where you have any sort of government entity or you know that the get out of jail free card might not work, which is exactly what happened here. I mean, they, they effectively had a get out of jail free card. They, they had the ability to say, Hey, no, I, I'm doing this on purpose. I mean, the card didn't work. That that's, that's the trick. That's what people have to realize here. The, the get out of jail free card did not work. So when we kicked out the Russian diplomats in 2016, it was because they were there running an aggressive counterintelligence operation in the U.S. targeting FBI communications. So they were disrupting the FBI's ability to track Russian spies on U.S. soil, which they were there supposedly messing around with election stuff. Um, that last part, people aren't too sure about that, but they were definitely messing around with the ability for the FBI to track them. And that's why they got expelled. And we found that out recently. And attackers continue to go after IT and security service providers to gain access to their customers. Seems like a really smart move. It's, it's a multiplier. The startup called Checker that runs background checks on Uber and Lyft drivers is now worth $2.2 billion. So they are doing well. 
advisories this week in Chrome and VMware, breaches and exposures, 24 million medical records exposed through public-facing medically medical image systems. So this is like Shodan Safari type stuff. And every Ecuadorian in the world, kind of, in Ecuador, compromised. So evidently all their information for like the national system has been compromised. This story's been out for a few weeks, but I don't think I've mentioned it yet. It's just the whole country, everyone compromised. That's insane. 15,000 private webcams exposed. <clears throat> That's more showdown stuff, I'm sure. Companies. HP has purchased Bromium. Stripe is now worth $35 billion. HackerOne has raised $36 million Series D. And Ping Identity has IPO'd at $15 a share. I think they're already doing fairly well. Technology news. IBM has a new 53-qubit quantum computer available to hack on in the cloud. And supposedly Google has a 72-qubit version, but it's only available internally. IBM's doing a good job with this. Like, come play with Watson, come play with our qubit computer. Like, what are you going to do when no one's buying hardware? You, you pivot to consulting and marketing, evidently. Google temporarily published a paper, which was then removed, so presumably that'll come out again soon, showing that a quantum computer they have, not sure if it's the same one I just mentioned, have calculated something in three minutes that would have taken Summit, which is IBM's current number one supercomputer in the world, over 10,000 years. So fastest computer in the entire world, on the entire planet Earth, would take 10,000 years to do this thing, and Google's quantum computer did it in three minutes question here is, was it a really practical problem, right? You know, did they write a situation where it happened to really benefit the quantum calculation, you know, paradigm as opposed to traditional, and they just did it as a proof of concept? Or was this like a real thing? So can't wait to read that paper. Twitter's rolling out the ability to hide specific replies to your own tweets. It would be really weird if you could do it to other people's um, for from other users. So, so basically, if someone is getting massively trollish or hateful or whatever in some thread of yours, you can stop their trash from being seen by others. Good timing, uh, getting ready for the election. And there are evidently 200 million robocalls per day, which is a lot. Anecdotally, um, might have actually decreased significantly by using my carrier's uh, security app and this app called Robocaller. And I don't know, I, I get very few. I, I get a few a week now, but it used to be like 20 a day. Human news. Chinese economy continues to slow with its industrial output falling to a near 18-year low. And the NEA did a study a while back, a National Endowment for the Arts. I'm making that up. I think that's what that means. Um, that's the acronym. Did a study a while back, and evidently 23% of Americans are light readers, which means one to five books per year. 10% are moderate readers, which is six to 11 books per year. And 13% were frequent readers with 12 to 49 books. And 5% were avid with 50 or more books. And I'm guessing the numbers for anyone listening to this podcast are probably in the frequent to avid range. I know I'm firmly in the avid group. Colt is ending production of AR-15s due to a lack of demand. I thought they were going to say they did it for moral reasons, 
That would have been cool. But no, they did it because they weren't selling well due to the rise in public shootings. Bad for business. London has around 420,000 CCTV cameras, which is higher per capita, but lower than total numbers for Beijing. You don't too often want to be competing with Beijing. That's what I found. Anyway, uh, people in the UK are starting to ask questions about how many is enough and what the trade-offs are. Ideas, trends, and analysis. My favorite security podcasts and how they're different from each other. Wrote this over the weekend. Got a retweet from Patrick. That was cool. Uh, Yeah, I basically rated, uh, it was mine, Patrick's, and Darknet Diaries. And I showed, it's it's not about like, oh, this one is better than that one or whatever. They're just so vastly different. It's like, you know, broccoli and steak and ice cream. Yes, I won all three. Reaction videos show the best of humanity. This is another piece that I wrote, uh, I don't know, sometime last week. Love me some reaction videos. I don't even watch TV anymore. I just watched YouTube. That should be another post. Future of LinkedIn, in my opinion, is the power is to power the soon-to-be ubiquitous work app, which will have ratings on everyone's skills, experience, and how they interact with others. This move into testing by them gets them closer to that. So basically, the link here is talking about how they now have the ability to test you for different skills and then show those test results or skill results within, um, within the LinkedIn interface. I think this is super cool. And it, it, to me, it shows me that it is absolutely the future of this work app thing that I've been talking about for years, which is everyone's just going to have this app. It's going to be the work app. It's going to be like, oh, here's your security assessment. Oh, do you want to review this legal document? Hey, do you want to come clean up this dog poop? Uh, do you want to mow grass? Do you want to be a cat sitter? Whatever it is, like you get notified through the app. And the app is the way to know you have a trusted person on the other side. They've got a good work ethic. You know, all the stuff you get from a traditional reference system, like the whole Uber Lyft thing, the ratings, everything. Locality, how close they are to you, whatever. Preferences. All those things, it'll all be inside the app. And um, who's going to win that? Probably LinkedIn, probably Microsoft, because they own them. And uh, this move right here with this education thing, it just seems like a small step in that direction. The real privacy barrier is the human mind. And we're already getting good at reading it from the outside. This is crazy. Like we can already read, you know, uh, brainwaves and data coming off the brain. It's, it's rudimentary, but we can, we can do basic emotions and stuff like that. And that's just like connecting to the skull and stuff. But the tech for doing it directly on the brain is, is moving very quickly. Like this whole uh, Elon Musk stuff, was it Neuralink? Yeah. I mean, it, it basically drops a bunch of filaments right onto the brain through a tiny hole in the skull. And it's doing much better than reading from the outside. And this is the privacy barrier that is the most sacred because once you start doing ML on that stuff, that's, that's going to be ridiculous. America has two different economies, largely separated by the two political parties, and they're quickly diverging. This is very similar to what I've been writing about in my red versus green essays, but you should definitely check this one out. It's a pretty cool essay. Why some people become lifelong readers and the American brain. This American brain essay, 
<clears throat> crazy. You, you should pull it up and check it out. It's a whole bunch of hand-drawn art. And actually, this is the sixth in a series, which I guess is going longer. But I didn't have time to read the whole thing, but it was it was crazy. That's why I put it in the ideas section. Updates. All right. Last week's member episode was quite good. As a reminder, I don't usually repeat content really at all from one newsletter to the next. So just because I love something from last week's show, which I actually did, it, it's not going to make it into this week's. This does two things. It prevents subscribers from having to see repeated content in the um, the regular free, you know, odd episode like this one. And two, it encourages people to become a member so they won't miss anything. So yeah, if you don't if you don't want to miss every other show, which you are right now, if you're not a subscriber, you should become a member. And it also helps me keep the sponsor gremlins away. And uh, oh yeah, I finally kicked off the product um, discovery section properly, which is below. I was stuck to basically not knowing what products to include, and I, I haven't found a good place to get products other than Facebook, and that's gross. So um, I, I just didn't do anything with it for a few weeks. So. Then it occurred to me to just use the products I already have and really enjoy. So that's what these four are below. It's stuff I'm actively using all the time. And then from there, I'll just cycle them in and out as I find new stuff. Now, at the time of writing this and recording this, none of them are actually already paid. So I already had the conversation about you know, letting people know are they paid or not paid. I actually wrote a whole blog post about it. But none of these actually are. And if they don't pay me, I'm probably just going to post them anyway because it's all about the value to readers rather than if I get money from it. Um, I think I'm going to try again to move to the native podcasting and reading applications on my phone. I think I'd rather use them than Audible and Overcast. Haven't been successful in the past, but I want to do that. And thanks to Tim Leonard for all the great stories in the UL Slack channel. He's becoming a source for the show at this point. So quite a, quite a few of the stories, um, I think, from this week and definitely from weeks in the past, have come from stuff that he's posting in the uh, unsupervised learning Slack channel. So thanks, Tim, for that. Discovery. All right, so this is the product section. Um, Superhuman is basically like my favorite thing right now. It's a high-end email client for desktop and mobile that you actually have to pay for. So think about how good an email client actually has to be in order to be able to charge for it when the op other options are all free. So what I love about it is that it's designed to be used with the keyboard and not with the mouse, although you can obviously, but it's made for the keyboard. And it's just got a way different way of thinking about stuff and interacting. So they got this cool feature about intros. So someone is like, oh, so-and-so, I want you to meet so-and-so. I'll, you know, I'll back away or whatever. You do command shift I and you automatically respond. You automatically put the other person in BC. It's super slick. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to like it enough to pay for it. Um, and they actually don't do sponsorship. So I'm just doing them for free. Like it's, uh, it's super cool. So I just signed up for the annual plan. You should definitely check it out. If, I mean, if, if a five to 50% increase in your email efficiency would be worth, what did I pay for? I paid like 360, but I think I got an 18% discount because if you pay by the year, you get a discount or something, maybe it was 17 Anyway, like $300 is what they charged me. I think a tiny percentage of improvement in email efficiency is worth $300 a year. So if you're in the same boat, you should try it out. The Aura Ring, Aura Ring, is the only wearable I use besides my watch. 
So my watch does everything I need in terms of like life measurement, but um, I don't wear it at night, so I can't track sleep with it. And I was going to get one of those sheet things, but I didn't because of bad reviews and I didn't want to have crinkle sounds or crinkle like feelings. So um, I saw my friend wearing one I thought was a normal ring and I'm like, hey, dude, what's that? And, uh, you know, it had a very nice titanium look and I'm like, oh, it's a cool ring. And he said, it's a wearable and you act, it actually tracks sleep as well and it integrates with phones. So I bought one that night um, and really, really enjoying it. So if you want to track sleep as well, you should definitely check it out. Thanks Canary Tools is a system that lets you drop realistic looking services around your network that um, only bad guys are likely to see and interact with. Talked about them multiple times. Basically, if you're going into an environment where you don't have like really solid detection and response, this is a good stopgap to w while you're building those programs. And last product service that I'm using in love, and this one I just did a bunch of updates on because um, I, I got a new phone, but um, is a gyroscope. And it's a life tracking system. This is probably going to freak out some security people. But I've basically been writing for years about like a universal life tracking app. And this thing doesn't have like finances or education or all aspects of life, but it's nailing the health aspect of life. So it's basically one app that pulls all the other health feeds and data from you know, smart watches and scales and time tracking, meditation tracking, pulls it all into one interface with like awesome inter, uh, visualizations. And I'm a security guy, obviously by trade and massively aware of all the trade-offs between like having cool data and what the risk is. That's why I only use one app, which is this app. And um, I don't know, it, I basically land on the side of prioritizing transparency and insights, you know, into this type of data versus the risk of exposure. And uh, if you have a similar risk model and you're into seeing everything you're doing in one integrated attractive interface, like everything health related, you should check out this thing. It's called Gyroscope. Curl has some exciting updates, including HTTP3 and an experimental feature doing parallel downloads. Um, how to ace a data analytics interview. Really exhaustive, that one. Uh, primer on API security testing. Andromeda, interactive reverse engineering tool for Android applications, and recommendations for the week. My favorite security podcasts, the four podcasts I recommend to everyone. So my favorite security podcasts are um, Risky Business, Darknet Diaries, and I recommend this one as well, even though it's not pure security. So those are my three. The four podcasts I recommend is um, this one I put last, um, Risky Business A16Z, which is fantastic. And, oh, Sam Harris, uh, Making Sense. And the last recommendation is letter.wiki. This is super cool. So I, I saw someone pop in and recommend this, probably part of their marketing team or whatever. But um, there was like a Twitter argument between, I think it was Brett Weinstein, and he was arguing with someone about evolution and Darwinism or whatever. And then someone pops in there and says, hey, you should have a, you should write letters back and forth. And they dropped a link to this letter.wiki. And what it is, is like, it's like a, um, a series of le letters back and forth, long form discussion as opposed to debate. It's just, a, it seems like a, a more benign or benevolent version of discussion online as opposed to like the nastiness that Twitter sort of 
extracts out of every conversation. And the aphorism for the week, a friend might well be reckoned the masterpiece of nature. A friend might well be reckoned the masterpiece of nature. Ralph Waldo Emerson. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. I believe ads are not just annoying, but that their incentive structure can malign the content creation process. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it directly for just $5 a month or $50 a year, which is two months for free. UL members get the newsletter every week instead of just twice a month. They get access to the archives. They get access to the UL Slack community, where we share ideas and links about the topics we discuss here. And they also get access to the UL Book Club, where we pick a book a month and talk about it live as a group. To become a member, just head over to danielmiesler.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to everyone who's already a member. I truly appreciate each of you. We'll see you next time.